This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik. On the show today, we're discussing radiotherapy. Now, many of you, if not all of you, uh, would surely be aware that radiotherapy is a key treatment in uh, when it comes to dealing with cancer. In fact, it's one of the main tools in our, you know, we like to, t- to call it the arsenal of cancer treatments. Um, but perhaps some of you may be thinking of radiotherapy in the form that it uh, used to be Um, decades ago, when in fact advancements in technology have led to improvements in how radiotherapy has been used in cancer treatment uh, in the last few years. So joining me on the show today, consultant clinical oncologist Dr. Malwinda Singh from Pantai Hospital Kuala Lumpur, and we're going to find out how these advancements in radiotherapy have led to improved patient outcomes and how radiotherapy has changed in his years of practice. Dr. Malwinder, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me here today. I'm fine, thank you. And uh, do call us if you have questions for Dr. Malwinder in the area of cancer treatment. You can call us at 03-7733-2900, WhatsApp our U-Mobile number 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, This is probably a very, very basic question for you, Dr. Malwinder, but let's try to understand what exactly is radiotherapy. Okay, so uh, radiotherapy generally uses a high energy beam, which is ex- which is actually uh, which is which actually comes from a machine radiation machine, which is called LINAC, or it can be from a radioactive source. And these radiation beams can be in the form of uh, X-ray beams, or even from a radioactive source like gamma rays, or it can be from a heavy iron like carbon or proton therapy. Okay, and uh, radiotherapy generally most machines in Malaysia and overseas uses high energy X-rays from a linear accelerator. Mm-hmm. Okay, and radiation can be divided into two. One will be external beam, where it's uh, something just like a CT scan, a patient will be lying down, and a radiation machine will move around the patient and will be giving radiotherapy externally. Okay, there's also something called internal radiotherapy, where it's also known as brachytherapy, which is normally used for like cancers in the cervix or cancers in the endometrium, which is the uterus. Okay, or it can be used as a sole treatment for like cancers for like uh, tongue cancers. You can use uh, for like esophageal cancers. So mm. those are the two types of radiation. Mm. External as well as uh, internal. internal, and I guess that would depend on the type of cancer. Yes, definitely. That you're diagnosed with. Yeah. We also have this idea, of course, that radiation is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, but how come it's used in medical treatment? Okay, so radiotherapy is one, like what you said, is one of the arsenal to treat a cancer patient. So over the years, we have a lot of newer therapies, like uh, from those days, you have chemotherapies, now you have immunotherapies, targeted therapies, and radiation therapies has been there from many, many years ago. It's just as newer advancements with newer machines and all. Okay, and uh, it depends on the cancer, actually. Certain cancers are radiosensitive, while certain cancers are radioresistant. So it's very hard for me to categorize and say which patients would be suitable for radiotherapy as a general. Mm-hmm. But uh, eventually, it actually depends on the type of cancers. So certain cancers, you will be doing like surgery up front and then you do chemo. Or certain cancers, you just do radiotherapy and chemotherapy. So it depends on what cancer you have and also depends on what are the cell types which you have. Can you help me understand radio-sensitive and radio-resistant um, a little better? Okay, so I'll give you an example. Okay, So if you're talking uh, something like lymphoma, okay, it is a radio-sensitive tumour, which means you give radiotherapy, the tumour practically melts away. 
Okay, so you can talk about cure, you can actually reduce the tumor burden, you can actually kill off all the cancer cells. Okay, but if you're talking like a sarcoma, a cancer sarcoma, whether it's a bone sarcoma or a soft tissue sarcoma, those are radio resistant tumor, which means you give radiotherapy, your tumor might just shrink a little bit. Uh, chances of disappearing is actually very, very low. Okay, so those are radio resistant, which means you're not going to respond a lot with, with radiotherapy. So you wouldn't bother at all? No, not necessarily you wouldn't bother. It still depends on the patient. Okay, so when we treat a patient, there's always few factors which we look about. Okay, main uh, number one would be the patient factor. Okay, so for example, sarcoma. If a patient is fit for surgery, go ahead with the surgery. This okay? is bone, bone and soft tissue. Mm. Okay, but if a patient is actually uh, not so fit for surgery, then probably you're going to give radiotherapy. But you know that radiotherapy is not going to be as effective as surgery. Okay, but uh, it depends on the patient. If they're fit, go for surgery. Not fit, then we give radiotherapy. Mm. Radiotherapy can also be used for sarcoma in case like uh, the sarcoma is a fungating tumor, it causes some bleeding or causing some pain. Then you use radiotherapy to actually reduce the tumor burden so that the pain can be reduced, the bleeding can be stopped. You're reducing the symptoms? Yes. Mm. Um, what is radiosurgery <coughs> then? Um, is that actually the same as radiotherapy? Okay, uh, it is under the banner of radiotherapy, okay, but uh, radiosurgery actually uses a very high energy radiation beams okay, to target a very small tumour. Okay. Generally, typically, we are looking at around 5 centimetres tumour. Okay. It can be in the brain. Okay. So, radiosurgery uses a very high energy radiotherapy with lesser fractionation. So, for example, if you are talking a normal radiotherapy, Okay, uh, for brain tumors, we're gonna give like a daily radiotherapy, ten minutes a day, which will take roughly about six weeks to complete. Okay, but radio surgery, you can actually give a very high energy beam, and you can just target to that small tumor, and you can cut down the radiation uh, therapy time. So it'll be probably about one fraction. That means you just do it in one day, or you can actually go on to three days or five days, depending on the size of the tumor and the critical structures around it. Mm. Because the high frequency of radiotherapy is quite a huge burden for patients, right? Having to go to the hospital, you're yep. talking like like you said, it could be 30, 40, 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how exactly does radiotherapy target cancer cells? And the concern there is you want to be um, aiming at the tumour cells and keeping other non-tumour cells you know, intact, right? Not harming other cells. You mean normal cells intact? Yeah. Okay, so uh, radiotherapy is uh, actually radiation. Generally, is divided into two: ionizing and non-ionizing. Okay, so like your handphones, your light, even your microphone, all emits uh, non-ionizing radiation. Non-ionizing radiation do not damage your normal cells. Okay, because it causes single-stranded DNA break. So our DNA is always double-stranded. So single-stranded break, your body can repair itself. Okay, radiotherapy uses high-energy radiation, which is ionizing radiation. So ionizing radiation can actually cause double-stranded DNA break. So when the radiation causes double-stranded DNA break, that's when the tumor cells actually get killed. Okay? And for us to do radiotherapy, is actually a whole long process, okay? where normally, generally, you're going to need a scan, okay? mm. depending what cancer you're talking about. Okay? So I'll give you an example of uh, prostate cancer. Okay? So prostate cancer, prostate gland is actually very small. Okay, you're going to need an MRI prostate okay, uh, to see where is the tumour, where is it located, how is the nerve, bu- uh, the nerve bundle and all, so that you don't radiate the nerve bundles and all. Okay? Once you have your MRI prostate, then you go ahead and do a simulation. So a simulation is a process where actually a patient will actually lie down okay, and we will put immobilisation device because when we give radiotherapy, we need to make sure that the patient do not move. 
What's okay. the danger of moving? Okay, say for example, I'm targeting a three centimeter tumor. Okay, but just next to it is a critical structure like your brain stem or like your spinal cord. The moment you move a little bit, your high energy radiotherapy will be touching your brain stem and your spinal cord, mm-hmm. which will cause damage to it. Then you're going to end up with a lot of complications after that. So mm-hmm. immobilization is very, very important, mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about stereotactic. Okay, so like for stereotactic uh, radio surgery, right, for brain tumors, sometimes we use a mask to cover the face. Okay, but sometimes we also use like a frame where we will actually put four pins on the forehead and there'll be a metal frame to hold the head in position when the patient lies down on the machine. Okay, so when they lie down on the machine, so the radiation will just be given around the area of interest. So it'll be focused to just the tumor itself. Okay, now depending on what we are treating actually, Okay, some tumors we don't give a margin. Okay, but some tumors we give some margin uh, uh, compared to the original tumor itself. Now, why is it like that? It's because on your scans you will see macroscopic disease, big cells. Okay, but you know if the tumor is an aggressive tumor, invasive tumor, you are going to have some microscopic cells around it. So you have to give some margin around it. Okay, so when you give some margin around it. That's where the area of radiation which you're going to give. And once you already draw where you want to give your radiation, the physicists will normally plan your radiotherapy. So once they plan the ter- therapy, it's a computer system, complicated one, which will actually count all the dose, uh, try to spare all the critical structures and all. Once you're happy with the dose distribution, you see the critical structures are all spared, then we send them to actually to go for radiation therapy. Mm-hmm. So when we actually do that planning, we will know how many fractions we want to give, uh, what are the doses we want to give, because sometimes we have to compromise when the critical structure is uh, very close to the tumour itself. Mm. You've mentioned fraction or fractionation twice. What is mm. that? Okay, fractionation is the number of radiotherapy which you need to come. Ah, right. That frequency. Yes, yeah. the frequency. I see, I see. Um, but why why is it like that as opposed to some other treatments that um, don't have such a high frequency? You don't need to come in for so many times. Okay, it depends on the tumour itself also. Okay, so uh, I'll give you an example. So for head and neck cancer, okay, if you're talking like nose cancer, nasopharyngeal carcinoma, your radiation is going to be at least about 33 to 35 fraction compared to prostate cancer where high chance you're just going to do it in 20 fraction for normal radiation. But if you're using stereotactic for prostate, then probably you just do it in 5 fraction and call it off. Okay. So why do we find out this fractionation? Why this dose? Why not a different dose or different fractionation? These are all based on international clinical trials. So there's a lot of uh, radiotherapy groups which actually comes out with all different different trials to find out what is the optimum dose, what is the optimum fractionation and all. Then it is published in the guideline. Then we as clinicians, we have to follow what is evidence-based medicine. Mm. Is there a lot of burden for the patient after each visit and each dose in terms of recovery? Uh, and then, you know, the back again the next day and then it repeats? Yep. So that again still depends on patient factor and tumour factor. So if before you start your therapy, the patient is actually very fit, you can walk around with not much toxicity, then of course, whatever treatment you throw to the patient, like chemo, radiotherapy, patient generally will tolerate very well. But if the patient itself upfront is not very fit, you have a lot of uh, comorbidities like diabetes, hypertension, heart problem, or even if you are not so fit because of the tumour itself, your mobility is reduced, then of course, by doing radiotherapy, you are going to have a little bit more side effects. Okay? Tumour factor depends where are we irradiating. 
if you're going to radiate some tumor which is in the head and neck region, definitely the complications are much more because your head and neck region, your oral cavity will definitely get the radiation dose so you won't be able to eat properly. But compared to someone who's actually doing a radiation on an extremities like your hands or your legs where practically there's no critical structures and all. So those patients actually tolerate very, very well. Mm. All right. Let's continue this conversation after a quick break. I want to find out more about stereotactic radiotherapy, which Dr. Van Winder has brought up several times as well. In the studio with me, consultant clinical oncologist Dr. Van Winder Singh from Pantai Hospital Kuala Lumpur. We're discussing radiotherapy and its advancements over the years. You can call us at 0377332900, WhatsApp our U-Mobile number 0187898899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. Don't go anywhere. Stay Tune to Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik, and my guest, Dr. Malwinda Singh, consultant clinical oncologist from Pantai Hospital, Kuala Lumpur. Today's discussion is all things radiotherapy for the treatment of cancer. Call us with your thoughts and, most importantly, your questions for Dr. Malwinda when it comes to cancer treatment. The number is 0377332900. You can also send a voice note or a message to our WhatsApp number 018789 or tweet us at BFM Radio. Cancer is now so common in our population. Um, there must be many of you with concerns when it comes to its treatment. Dr. Malwinder, I'd like to dive into stereotactic radiotherapy a little bit. Um, what exactly is that? And, you know, earlier you categorised external and internal very broadly. Uh, where does this fall under? Okay, so uh, stereotactic radiotherapy is a form of external beam radiotherapy. Okay, so stereotactic, what it means is, is using a very higher dose, okay, high dose, to a very small area. The small area is something like 5 centimeter and less. Okay, and we reduce the fractionation, the frequency. Instead of a long fractionation of five to six weeks, patient will probably come about a single fraction or probably up to a week or two maximum. Okay, so a simple way how to categorize it, any tumors in the brain is called stereotactic radiosurgery, mm. whereas any tumors which is below the head and neck region is called SBRT, stereotactic body radiotherapy. In Malaysia, we call it SBRT, but in uh, American countries, they call it SABR. S-A-B-R. Okay, all right. And that, uh, as you mentioned, um, primarily for brain tumours? Okay, for radiosurgery, anything in the brain, yes, we use it for brain tumours. Mm. Whereas SBRT, practically, we can use it for a lot of cancers. You can use it as a definitive treatment, which means you just use SBRT and you don't need any other treatment. Or you can use it as an adjuvant, I mean, uh, a palliative treatment like patients who have uh, bone pains, bone mats, or even cancer who has spread to somewhere else, then you can use SBRT for it. Mm. So, presumably, this is a key advancement in radiotherapy mm-hmm. uh, in recent times. Um, what have been some of the most significant um, developments in radiotherapy that you've seen in your practice over the years? Okay. So, um, I would consider myself as one of the lucky ones. I started myself in oncology in 2010, where we first had the two-dimension era of radiotherapy. Okay, then from two dimension we move to three dimension. So my professor will always say two dimension and three dimension radiotherapy is like chapati radiotherapy. 
because you're banging the tumor left, right, front, back, up, down, anywhere. Two dimension, three dimension radiation. Okay, so practically your tumor gets the dose, but your normal tissue gets a lot of dose also. Mm-hmm. Okay, patient at the end of the day gets quite a bad bashing. Yes, correct. So then come the IMRT era, which uh, probably just about 2014 or 15. So IMRT era came in where IMRT actually is called intensity modulated radiotherapy where you can actually conform the dose of radiation just to the tumor while sparing your surrounding tissue. Okay. Then came uh, VMAT, volumetric uh, arc radiotherapy, which is also a form of IMRT, but it's a much more better distribution. Then down the line came SBRT and uh, Sable. So SBRT and Sable actually in Malaysia, we've already been using it over the past, I would say, five years or more. So it's been there for quite some time. But what has improved in terms of radiation delivery, okay, number one, is the verification technique, okay, where we can verify where the tumor is located. Okay, so our margins can be tighter. So remember I told you something about microscopic cells. So sometimes like you're talking about 3D era, your margins will probably be about one centimeter. But when you're talking about IMRT, your margins is reduced to like five millimeter or eight millimeter. But when you're talking about SBRT or even uh, serotetic radio surgery, your margins can probably be one millimeter, two millimeter or even zero millimeter. Okay, so those are all important verification technique and our radiotherapy has actually, we've been able to make it very focused just to the tumour while sparing your surrounding tissue. Mm. So that improves uh, or rather reduces the complications caused by hitting um, the other surrounding tissues, Correct. right? Does it change, the, has it improved outcome survival? Okay, uh, unfortunately, based on all clinical trials, whatever radiotherapy techniques you choose, the overall survival doesn't uh, doesn't differ. It's the same overall survival. But in terms of toxicity, yes, it changes a lot. If you're talking about SPRT versus two-dimension, three-dimension, or even IMRT, SPRT has much less toxicity compared to all of those. What does that mean in terms of the individuals you see in your clinic, mm-hmm. in terms of how they can you know, go home, go about their daily lives? Okay, so... Okay, let me give you an example also. Okay, so if you are talking about radiotherapy to the lung, okay, for example, I give you an early stage lung cancer, a patient who is not so fit to go for surgery. So the option remains, okay, either patient do a traditional chemotherapy with IMRT, okay, or SBRT. Okay, so group one, patient who goes for IMRT, which will be probably 30 fractions down the line, and to make the benefit better, you're going to need to give chemo. Okay, so you're going to give chemo with radiotherapy. So a lot of patients develop a lot of complications because it's a combination therapy. Okay, whereas on another arm, you can actually just do SBRT. Okay, and even when we first started SBRT, we used to give a very high dose, five fraction. But now we can cut down to three fraction or even a single fraction if the tumor is very, very small. Okay, so in terms of toxicity, definitely one is going to be your treatment duration. Okay, daily treatment duration, you're going to have more lethargy. Lesser treatment duration, less lethargy. Okay, longer treatment duration, your lungs get exposed to a lot of radiation. So you're going to have some dry cough or maybe some uh, productive cough. But with SBRT, the coughing will be actually much lesser. So shorter radiation means shorter uh, side effects. Is there anything that can be done to sort of um, just support or treat those side effects if they still occur? Yes, definitely. So when before we start patient on any uh, radiation treatment, right, we will actually get a consent from a patient. We will counsel a patient properly what to expect, what not to expect and all. Okay, and even before we start radiotherapy, there are certain medications which we give prophylactically to reduce the side effects. Then when the patient goes for radiotherapy, we will see them weekly 
for normal radiotherapy. For SPRT, probably going to see them a little bit more frequently and address whatever concerns they have. So any problem they have, we try to give some treatment for it. It will reduce the symptoms, but it will not 100% eliminate it because it is still radiotherapy. Mm. I understand that uh, depending on the type of cancer, um, some of the side effects of radiotherapy could affect sex and fertility. Um, is this something that um, you find difficult to raise with patients um, or how, how do you go about it? Okay, so before any patient goes for radio, radiotherapy, they need to sign a consent form. So if the radiotherapy field involves your genitals, we will definitely upfront tell the patient that these are the complications, okay, and this is what you're going to expect down the line. Okay, so uh, depending what is the dose we want to give also. So there are certain doses which we give which will not affect your sexual activity. But there are certain doses which will actually, yes, affect your sexual activity. But any normal tissue have it, uh, they have their recovery period. So like I give radiotherapy right now, probably you're going to have some uh, erectile dysfunction over the over the few months, but subsequently, probably about a year or so, it will recover. Some people recover fully, some people recover partially. So only time will let you know how much recovery you actually have. Mm. But that will be an important part of, I guess, for them to decide, is this the yeah. kind of treatment I, I want? I mean, like just balancing out the, the risks and the benefits, right? Correct, yes. Mm. We have um, an interesting question here from a listener. Um, and this is more to do with um, equipment. Mm -hmm. uh, when there is a recall of radio frequency equipment or its accessories by manufacturers, and uh, perhaps if this has been attested by the FDA, um, how do patients um, know, will they be informed by the hospital uh, regarding the recall? And, um, you know, how often are patients sort of, uh, you know, kept in the know? Because usually um, the conversation is between the distributor, the manufacturer, um, the hospital administration. Uh, but, you know, how is patient safety, uh, you know, handled here? Okay. Uh, so radio frequency equipment, uh, I presume she's talking about uh, RFA for something like we use for liver, RFA liver or RFA lung. Mm. Okay, which the is ablation. The ablation, yes. Okay. So radiotherapy and this radio frequency is two different things. Okay. Uh, radiotherapy uses a very high uh, energy beams, whereas radio frequency, their beams are at a lower intensity. And it is, radio frequency is an invasive procedure. Okay, where you need to poke certain needles inside. But radiotherapy, you don't need to poke any needles. I won't be the right person to tell you about radio frequency equipment because I really don't deal with it. Okay, But for radiation itself, and I would expect it to be the same with radio frequency because these are all device company. Okay, So like I work in a Pantai Hospital, Kuala Lumpur, which is actually the flagship hospital for Pantai Group. So their requirement is definitely very, very strict. Okay, So any device which you need to register to bring in into Malaysia, first thing you have to go through our BKRP, which is the Ministry of Health. They have a separate division for all these radiotherapy machine. It has to be licensed by them. And then even once you install in the hospital, the Ministry of Health will actually come to the hospital to check everything, make sure everything is in compliance and all. Mm -hmm. Okay, And then as you go through the treatment, every, if I'm not mistaken, every six months or every one year once, Ministry of Health actually come and make their visit, surprise visit or even a scheduled visit to actually do a spot check to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Okay, So in terms of regulation by Ministry of Health, we are definitely abiding by it. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of manufacturer, okay, uh, when they produce a machine, as 
far as I know, I have never encountered any radiotherapy machine being pulled off by FDA or any uh, society authority. authorities which actually pull out radiation machines. Mm-hmm. Okay, but even that also, uh, I, I'm more aware of a pharma pharma companies regulation. I'm not I'm not too aware about radiation uh, regulation, but there is a body. I can't remember what's a body called in Malaysia. So they regulate all these machines, the devices, machines also. Mm-hmm. Okay, medical so, device. Medical device. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the one. Mm-hmm. So they will actually regulate all the machines if there's any recall okay if say anything happens lah if there's actually any recall they will definitely inform the hospital hospital will inform the doctor then it is our duty to actually inform the patient otherwise then we'll be sued <laughs> which is paramount here isn't it i yes. mean yeah yeah at the end of the day uh, the law is there to protect um, consumers and uh, patients um keep your questions coming in there was a interesting one uh, but also you can ask about um, radiotherapy and uh, other forms of cancer treatment you can call us at 0377332900 you can whatsapp our number 0187898899 or tweet us at bfm radio when we come back from the break um, i'll just discuss a little bit about some do's and don'ts uh, some patients concerns when it comes to undergoing radiotherapy uh, and what dr malwinder would like to see um, for future developments in radiotherapy. On the show with me today, Dr. Mawinda Singh, consultant clinical oncologist from Pantai Hospital, Kuala Lumpur. Stay tuned to Health and Living BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the show Health and Living with me, T. Shawik. My guest in the studio with me today, Dr. Mawinda Singh, consultant clinical oncologist from Pantai Hospital, Kuala Lumpur. We're discussing radiotherapy. Um, what are the different types? Um, how advancements in radiotherapy have improved um, the sort of um, side effect experience for patients, uh, as well as the duration or the frequency that they would need uh, to come for uh, radiotherapy treatment. Uh, and we'll go a little bit into, I guess, some things that um, patients themselves need to know about um, before they undergo radiotherapy. But call us with your questions, 03-7733-2900. WhatsApp, our U-Mobile number, 018. 789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. So we talked a little bit about how um, radiotherapy has become more precise and therefore you can spare a lot of the healthy tissues around tumour area. But is there anything that you'd advise patients in terms of do's and don'ts so that um, there's nothing that they're doing that may conflict with radiotherapy? Okay, uh Normally, quite general things what I tell my patient is like uh, when they go through radiotherapy, it's going to be a little bit heaty, so keep yourself very well hydrated, okay? And uh, any radiotherapy, the skin is definitely uh, an issue always, okay? So definitely keep your skin actually uh, dry, make sure you're not sweating a lot. You can apply some uh, water-based solution if you actually have any dryness with the radiation, okay? Uh, And then anything extra will be depending on the location where I'm actually giving the radiation. So if I'm going to radiate something in the pelvic area where your bowels are all there, okay, so I'll definitely tell you, okay, you're going to end up with some diarrhea, so probably you need to reduce your high-fiber food intake and probably I'll give you some medication to reduce your diarrhea. Or even if, say, I'm giving radiotherapy to the oral cavity, like for buccal mucosa tumor or even tongue cancer, you're going to get a lot of uh, mucositis, ulcers in your mouth and all. So I'll pre-empically, I actually start some uh, goggles for you so that it will reduce the intensity of the mucositis and all. And uh, we have a listener who's asking any other precautions that uh, they should abide by. For instance, should they be allowed to take herbal remedies? 
Okay, so that's a very good question actually. So and uh, being Malaysian, we take a lot of herbal stuff. Okay, so uh, generally, right, radiotherapy is you always you'll always down the line you'll be using like chemo, targeted therapy, immunotherapy, uh, some sort of therapy will be there. And radiotherapy is only just like an adjuvant therapy, or or even if say you just do radiotherapy alone. Okay, all of these right will definitely have some issues when you take herbal products. Okay. Particularly with radiotherapy, how radiotherapy works, right? It actually pro- when it breaks your DNA, right? It actually produces uh, oxidative uh, stuff, which will actually kill all your uh, DNA and all. But a lot of people like to take antioxidant because they say, oh, radiotherapy, you must clear up all the toxic effect and all. Antioxidant and radiotherapy is definitely a no-no, okay? Because it will actually reduce the radiotherapy efficacy, okay? And even if you're doing any systemic therapy like chemotherapy, targeted therapy and all. All these drugs are cytotoxic. It gets produced in your liver and your kidney. And by taking herbal products, herbal products also produce in your liver. I mean, it gets excreted in your liver and your kidney also. So when you take two uh, medication, which will actually cause a lot of uh, damage to your liver, damage to your kidney, your liver will tend to overwork trying to try to excrete all of this. So most of the time, your liver enzymes will be elevated, your kidney enzymes will be elevated, and that gives us a lot of problem because we cannot give the optimum dose when your liver and kidney is not functioning very well. Mm. So then we need to delay the chemo, reduce the dose of chemo, which will not be good for your cancer. So I generally tell all my patients, why are you taking herbal product? It's mainly you want to have some nutrition in your body. Okay, if you're talking purely medical science, evidence-based simulation, there's so many uh, formulated powder which we normally recommend to cancer patients, which is proven by medical journals. So when they go for chemo, radiotherapy, or anything, automatically most cancer patients will definitely get referred to a dietitian. So dietitian will assess all your blood tests, everything, and look at what. Uh, supplements which you need and take those supplements which is normally the formulated powder it has all your electrolytes all your minerals inside there mm. what are some other um, issues that you've come across in terms of patients uh, perhaps this is more uh, concerns on their part what fears do they express to you when you tell them that they need radiotherapy what would you like to um, highlight and address okay so um I do more of uh, stereotactic radiotherapy, so most of the interesting, interesting, I can share with you a few interesting cases lah, which I normally get. So I, I do a lot of gamma knife in uh, Pantai KL. So gamma knife uses a gamma radiation, gamma rays. Okay. So when I say, okay, I'm going to do gamma knife for your brain tumor, so they'll be asking me, will I be radioactive? Okay, because it's gamma rays. So I, that, that actually really troubles me sometimes when I'm trying to explain to the patient. So actually, that is one of the concerns which patient has. So radiotherapy, right, uh, whether you're using a radioactive source or whether you're using a linear accelerator base, all those radiation is confined in the radiation room alone. It's not going to come out. It doesn't follow you when you go out because it is just focused on that tumor. The moment the machine is off, the radioactive source is closed. So there's no more radiation in your body. In contrast, you're talking to someone like thyroid cancer where you're actually taking radioactive iodine. Those actually is a radioactive treatment. So you can actually uh, spread those rays to the uh, to your surrounding family. So that's why we isolate you. But for radiotherapy, even gamma knife, SBRT and all, there's no isolation. It doesn't follow you back home. Mm. Um, do they uh, have fears that radiotherapy itself will cause other cancers or diseases to develop? Yeah, that is actually something which uh, we really need to explain to the patient also. Okay, I always tell my patients that if you've gone through surgery, you've gone through chemotherapy and all, those are the hard part. 
radiation is actually very simple because most of radiotherapy patient is an outpatient procedure. You actually can go to work when you do radiotherapy. Just take a time off, come, lie down, we do your radiation, you can go back home. Okay, majority of radiotherapy patient is an outpatient. You go and do your daily livings and all. Okay, so another thing what I tell patients when they go for for radiotherapy is take care of yourself. Okay, you need to have a very good nutrition. When you have good nutrition, your bodily functions, everything is good, then you won't have a lot of complications. Is it painful? No. Nobody has ever... Actually, I use radiotherapy to reduce pain. Mm. Okay, but some complications of radiotherapy, like uh, particularly I would say for head and neck cancers, okay, where your skin sometimes get uh, peeled off. If you don't take care of your skin properly, like with radiotherapy, seven weeks of radiotherapy to the head and neck, right? The skin get peeled off, that can be a little bit painful. Even your oral cavity, mucositis and all, that can be painful. So you definitely need to keep yourself well hydrated and start all the medication which your oncologist prescribe you. Mm. Is there a limit to how much radiotherapy a patient can receive Presumably, if there's recurrence of the cancer uh, and they need several more cycles or perhaps fractionation is the word. Okay, so uh, it actually doesn't depend on the patient. It depends on the location where we are going to radiate. Okay, if you're talking a tumor, so many your brainstem, spinal cord, those are critical structures where radiation. I mean, our how many times we can radiotherapy a patient depends on dose tolerance. But if you're talking of a tumor in the extremities, like your hands or your legs, that one we are not too worried. Okay, when you give radiotherapy, there's always a time period where we give for the tissue to recover before we re-irradiate the same area again. So depending which is the area, then we will decide. So I have given radiotherapy to the patient on the same location up to three times. Mm. Um, another question here from a listener is um, your thoughts on high-grade stem cell rejuvenation of body cells and whether this might actually heal the cancer and sidestep the need for radiotherapy? Okay, as of now, if you're talking about stem cell therapy, okay, it is only approved by the FDA for hematological cancer. I'm an oncologist, I treat solid tumour. So there is no role right now for any stem cell therapy with solid tumours. Okay, I do agree there's a lot of clinical trials which are ongoing uh, together with chemo, together with radiotherapy, but nothing has been evidence-based or approved by FDA. So, um, a bit forward-looking, um, are there uh, certain advancements on the horizon that you're looking forward to? And uh, also importantly, what do you hope to see coming alongside that to make these um, treatments accessible for more patients? Okay, so what I'm looking forward to is AI-based radiotherapy, since everyone is actually talking about AI. So those days uh, when we want to do radiotherapy, we, we normally spend hours for just one patient. We have to draw all the organ at risk. We have to draw where's the tumour. Then we have to do the planning and all. Now with some AI which has actually come in, it makes, us, makes our job very easy. It's auto-contoured. It draws your spinal cord, your brainstem, your bowels all automatically. But of course, we still need to look through them again to make sure that whatever is auto-contoured is actually correct. So that is one of the advancements which is being improved. Okay. Uh, second thing is the accuracy of treatment. So there's something new called uh, MRI LINAC, okay, which uh, is not in Malaysia yet. So I hope that actually it comes to Malaysia and uh, we can actually do proper verification based on MRI images because MRI is actually very, very, mind, uh, very, very detailed images compared to now what we are using is based on X-ray or CT scan images. Okay. And also newer therapies like uh, carbon ion, proton therapies, okay, which 
around the Southeast Asia, I think probably only Singapore has it right now at the moment. Uh, Malaysia, we don't have any proton beam therapy yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so those are the things which I'm looking forward. Mm-hmm. In terms of making treatment accessible, that is one of the unfortunate part about Malaysia. Most of our radiotherapy machines are all located in Klang Valley. Okay, even in the East Coast side, uh, Terengganu doesn't have a machine. Even uh, Pahang doesn't have a machine. Perlis doesn't have a machine. So those patients from those uh, that areas need to travel all the way to Klang Valley for treatment or even up to Penang for their treatments. So that's one of the sad part. Even those in Sabah, Sarawak, they have to travel hours to go for radiotherapy. And even those in Sabah, Sarawak, those radiotherapy machines, they... We can't move forward giving all this bombastic stereotactic radio surgery, SBRT and all, when the basic radiotherapy like 3D and IMRT, we can't even give it to the normal population. Mm-hmm. So it's only selected cases where you can do as, uh, stereotactic radio surgery and SBRT over there compared to here where we have all the facilities, we can actually do SBRT for everyone practically. So we definitely need to get serious when it comes to reforming financing of the health yes, system. Correct. We need to redistribute to the other state also rather than spending all in Klang Valley. Mm. Do you have a final takeaway message for our listeners today, especially those um, who may have just had a diagnosis of cancer, are being told about radiotherapy? What's your advice to them? Okay, I would say don't worry and importantly, never listen to your colleagues or your friends. Everybody is different. Nowadays, we are moving to personalized treatment. You have 10 breast cancer patients, all 10 will get different, different treatment. Okay, some will go for surgery, some will just go for chemo. And even those chemo, you have so many drugs, so many targeted therapies, so many immunotherapy. Everybody might get something different. So don't compare yourself with someone else because God bill you in a way that you're different from the others. How are you going to metabolize the drug? definitely going to differ compared to the person next to you okay so always just talk to your doctor okay we will explain everything to you and even doctors also sometimes can be wrong we'll tell you you have this problem but you might not end up with that problem you'll end up with a different problem okay side effects and all so always you it is individualized okay address your concerns talk to your oncologist as any issues we can always address them together all right thank you so much dr malwinda singh consultant clinical oncologist from pantai hospital kuala lumpur talking to me today about radiotherapy in cancer treatment this has been health and living on bfm 89.9 you have been listening to a podcast from bfm 89.9 the business station for more stories of the same kind download the bfm app